Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know that Athletic Brewing Company is my absolute favorite non-alcoholic beer. For me, finding an incredible non-alcoholic beer to drink around the fire pit or at a dinner was a game changer in sobriety. And I love Athletic so much that I became a brand ambassador so that I could share the love. You can save 20% with code KCD20 on your first order of Athletic at their website. Now, they are not sponsoring this ad, but I wanted to share this discount if you wanted to try it out. So my personal favorites are their Golden Upside Dawn and their Run Wild IPA, but I want to hear what your favorites are. Just go to Athletic brewing.com and enter the code KCD20 at checkout. That's C-A-S-E-Y-D-2-0 and you'll save 20% on your first order. Hi there. I'm so excited you're here for this episode of the podcast. In this episode, I am bringing on my very favorite friend that I've met since quitting drinking, my sober bestie, Ingrid Miller. And the episode is about how to find friends or how to find your people in sobriety. Because I know one of the worries that so many people have when quitting drinking is that their social life's going to be over, they're going to be incredibly lonely possibly that there are no cool people who have quit drinking. I know that was a big one of mine. So Ingrid and I met almost four and a half years ago when we were both in very early sobriety. I think Ingrid might have been about a week sober, a week and a half, two, and I was about two months since I had quit drinking. She is over the last few years and has become my sober bestie. And sometimes we call each other sober litter mates and we actually have other litter mates. It's a random way of describing people who quit drinking right around the same time that you did. Ingrid is so much fun. She grew up in New York. She moved all over the place after college. 
jumping from, she says, internet job to boyfriend to internet job, and she settled in the Seattle area 15 years ago. She's a VP for a technology company in the Seattle area, but she also had many dreams of being an opera singer, a Broadway musical star, a political investigative journalist, a fat activist, a multi-size clothing designer and maker, a professional writer, and a bookstore owner. And that is one of my favorite things about Ingrid and honestly about so many women I've met in sobriety is that there are so many dreams we have. There's so much we want to do and can do in our lives. And honestly, once you quit drinking, you realize how unproductive you've been, how stuck you've been. And honestly, the world just opens up and you can do anything you want to and sort of everything. Like Ingrid and I always joke about like what, you know, we both actually worked full-time jobs and had other passion projects on the same on this side. So for me, it was coaching. For Ingrid, she always had a dream of being a bookstore owner. And after quitting drinking, she started the cutest and most awesome bookstore in Burien, Washington. And I adore it. I love the vibe. I love the lights. I love talking to Ingrid. It's called Three Trees Books. And they have an awesome website. So I'm going to put that in the show notes because you absolutely have to check it out. And if you live in or visit Seattle, you have to stop by. So Ingrid, I am so excited for this episode. I adore you. I adore our friendship. And I'm so excited you're here. Yay, me too. Thank you, Casey. (laughs) What a badass intro. I love it. Well, you can tell you're one of my favorite people. And I don't know how I would have done the last four years without you. It certainly would not have been as fun. No, I definitely wouldn't be sober <laughs> right now. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And and even to this day, I lean on you. Oh, yeah. And and it all like kind of contributes to staying sober, really, right? As any friendship. Yeah. Because when you quit drinking and (laughs) someone gets it, I mean, I know a lot of the people listening to this will understand, even your best friends who've known you since high school or your spouse or people you're really close to, they don't understand what you need and what you're going through. They just don't because they haven't been there. No, no. And and they never will unless, unless they go through it themselves, but like, that's okay. We don't, we don't have to have them that. Yeah. Us, I mean, you but, can uh, have different people you lean on for sober support, but it is, God, it's so helpful to find people who do get it. And and who you genuinely want to be friends with, right? Like, and, and I think that's the root of the fear is that um, I think we have this notion before getting sober that all sober people are alike <laughs> or, that, or that they're all believing in the same, you know, I don't know, script. Yeah. Uh, of how to stay sober. And so it can feel extra daunting in the beginning if you don't feel like you're a fit for certain really traditional quitting drinking modalities, for example, that you're not going to find your people. Yeah. And, uh, but you will. Yeah. It's, it's not quite as simple as, you know, going to a meeting. Absolutely. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode because, you know, when I quit drinking, 
the first time. I have done it twice. And then I went back to drinking. (laughs) When I quit drinking the first time, I did not know a single other person who either had quit drinking or had struggled with this or was sober. I mean, I thought people who were sober were like alcoholics, pregnant, or totally lame. Like that was, that was my opinion. Um, it is a hundred percent different now. I think that people who've quit drinking and, and especially women who've quit drinking are the coolest. Um, and hopefully we'll (laughs) talk about that a little bit too, but there are a lot of fears, even as we grow up, like I quit drinking this time when I was 40, it is freaking hard to make great friends when you're 40. Like, You think people are busy. Everybody has their friends from high school and college and work. Like, remember being sort of terrified the first time I texted you because I was like, oh, this is, this is a big step in a friendship. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a cliff you jump off. And, and you know what I was, I was thinking before getting on this call, I was thinking about like, you know, what would be a tip or trick, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in the conversation. but. I realize that that feeling doesn't really change. Like I have you locked in, which <laughs> God, thank God, right? Like, but there are other really cool women, you know, who I'd I'd love to maybe be better friends with in in the sober community. But every time I go to like, you know, initiate or send a text or whatever, yeah. it's still hard. Yeah. It, it's always hard. Um, yeah, it's a risk, right? And, but the nice thing about sober women is that we all understand why, right? Like why, like that baseline reason why I'm reaching out is you're one of my people. So, you know, you've got that baseline covered and from there we have to figure out if we gel. I mean, it's like dating. I don't know. It is kind of like dating and that's in all friendships. The cool thing I think about people who have quit drinking or on the path is they're real and they've done some work and they're so much, you you know, you have to be vulnerable and open and have some self-awareness to do this. So I always, when I get to know people, which we're going to talk about how, how to do that more and more, because I feel like now I know, I'm sure I don't, every sober woman in Seattle, (laughs) no, (laughs) Possibly every sober woman who hasn't gone through a 12-step program because I'm not in those circles, yeah. but um, but it gets easier. I remember meeting some cool women and just, you know, after seeing them a few times being like, hey, I really like you. Can we be friends and hang out? Because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my jam. And they're like, yes, <laughs> at least I think they are, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. Um, so to start, let's talk about how we found each other. We met on a secret Facebook group, which sounds weird, um, but where we initially connected is one of my favorites. I've mentioned before, it's called the Booze Free Brigade. And we'll talk about it a bit in other groups. And and in my show notes, I'll, I'll put some information on how to find it. But we met there. So my question for you is, how the heck did you find that place to start with? <laughs> so I, I don't have a great answer um, because I don't exactly remember. Um, I was probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. But, but uh, like classy drunk, right? <laughs> like maybe low, like wine wine drunk. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, my, my vague memory of my path to getting to the BFB was, um, I think I started actually the first website sobriety website that I really remember landing on 
was the She Recovers site. And I thought to myself, one day I'll, you know, go to Salt Spring Island with the sober people. Um, and I bookmarked it. Um, and somehow, whether it was related, I can't remember if it was, um, this is terrible. I could go on for an hour with lots of guesses, but I think I went to Bell Robertson's tired of thinking about yeah. drinking website because I Googled exactly those words and then somehow ended up on, um, Jean's Jean McCarthy uh, Unpickled. Yeah. And she's the host of the Bubble Hour, which is an amazing podcast. It's the host. Oh, it is amazing. Um, And uh, on her blog, I believe she had a link to the Yahoo email group for the BFB. And so my intro to the BFB was not on Facebook. I actually emailed, I was in the email listserv thing. And there were a couple of people that did end up translating into the Facebook group that I remember. I won't name them, obviously, but like, uh, but once I discovered the Facebook group, I was like, bye bye, email, <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, and uh, and so that's how I ended up in the Facebook group because someone told me the secret knock to get in, and uh, and that was that from there. And then I quit. I think two or three times for like a week or two at mm-hmm. a time on the BFB. And then finally met you. And that's uh, awesome. And one of the reasons I wanted to ask that is because I also found that group through a convoluted way. And I said in my first episode of this (laughs) podcast that one of the reasons I started it and one of my main goals is to help women listening stop stumbling around in the dark. And, you know, God, I honestly, my heart goes out to people who don't know about all these amazing resources that are out there because I barely know how I find found them. And it took me years and God to get some shortcuts and to be like, here's the list of all the cool places that you might want to go. And so I'm going to put them in the show notes. But I remember the way I found it, which is crazy, is I had my first son. He's 12 now. So that tells you how long I'd been worried about my drinking. And there was, I was, you know, oh my God, I'm going to have a kid. My social life will be over. I'm a cool mom, whatever the hell that meant. My life is about more than my child and my infant. (laughs) And there was an author, her name was Stephanie Wilder Taylor. And she wrote a bunch of books called like Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay and a bunch of other ones like that, like Nap Time is the New Happy Hour. So she was a big author funny comedian author in the mommy drinking wine culture, which when I was 32 and had my son, I was all about like, I was like, total, you know, mommy play dates with wine at three in the afternoon. And then I went to work one day and I was downstairs getting coffee and breakfast in the cafe. And they had New York Times there. And I vividly remember seeing it was somehow on the front page. Um, It said, I pulled it up, a heroine for cocktail moms, sober up. And it was about her. And I was just like, oh, my God, I bought the article um, because clearly I was somewhat worried about my drinking. And I went to her blog and I read what she said about quitting drinking. And it kind of blew my mind. Um, And I saved that. And she had a blog called Don't Get Drunk Fridays. And I will link to the New York Times article and all that in the show notes. But but she um, had all this information there. And that's how I found the BFB because I feel like she was one of the first 
quote unquote founders of the group. Um, but that is again, like a lot of random stumbling around in the dark of what I call divine breadcrumbs that somehow led me to this group that inspired me. Like somehow seeing the New York times article. Yeah. What? It really is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it stuck with you. That's the amazing thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. really go away. It's that, um, that whisper that sticks with you and, and it does, you know, it takes what it takes. Right. Whisper. I mean, it, Nobody yeah. like is like, oh, maybe I drink so much. I think I'm going to quit drinking for the rest of my life. I mean, if you do, you might <laughs> you not, might not be one of us. <laughs> well, no, but like, you know, I think there's something about like, if you're willing to follow those breadcrumbs at some point, that whisper has probably yeah. become a roar, yeah. right? Like it, it's no longer a whisper, but like, God, if, if you're out there listening and, and you have a whisper, yes. follow the whisper. Because yeah. it'll be a lot easier yeah. <laughs> to, to stop before yeah. it becomes a roar and, and you'll open yeah. up a whole world. As Yeah. And I thought that my, so, well, actually, before it. I say that, I wanted to ask you, because I know when I joined the BFB, I was terrified. I remember sitting in my office at work, sort of almost shaking, um, posting on there for the first time, checking 17 times to make sure it was in the private group, and then going back <laughs> to my public Facebook with all my friends and coworkers and family and hitting refresh like 10 times, terrified that it was going to pop up on my public page. And, so, you know, and then after I posted, God, I got like 30, 40 responses from women who were just, oh my God, your story's just like mine you know, stay close, you've got this, like, personal outreach, like, and they seemed awesome. These women seemed awesome. Like, they seemed, yeah. quote, unquote, just like me. So I want to ask mm-hmm. you, what are some things you would tell people who are scared to connect online? This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I decided to stop drinking, therapy was a big part of my sober toolbox. It wasn't just about saying no to opening a bottle of wine. Once I stopped drinking, I had to deal with everything in my life that alcohol helped me push down. And with my therapist, I was able to better understand how my relationships with my husband and kids, my bosses and friends needed to shift to support my sobriety. If you're thinking of starting therapy as part of your journey, BetterHelp is the way to go. It's all online. It's convenient and flexible. It's tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Therapy can help you become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday and score 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp. H-E-L-P dot com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. Gosh, I mean, in terms of the privacy stuff, mm-hmm. secret groups are really, truly secret. So you, you really don't have to worry about that. It's worthwhile to go look at like the member directory and <laughs> make sure that your cousin Bob <laughs> isn't in the group if, you, if you're worried about that. But um. 
but they are truly secret in the sense that that stuff won't show up. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. But I, I think that, I mean, gosh, I, it's always scary that there's nothing I can say that's going to make it less scary. Um, I don't think, uh, but the, in the beginning you, you need yeah. it. I, that's all I'll say. Like there, there's no, there's no, um, replacement for getting very specific advice, getting lots of people who are at the exact same date count. That that's to me, what's magical. Like I, I went to a few, um, uh, meetings. I won't get into details when I was in early sobriety and, 12 step recovery meeting. And, um, they were great, but like, there was no, um, there is something really powerful about the crowd. I, I know this is going to sound strange, but when you have those sheer numbers of this private group, which isn't huge, but it's, it's big enough that you, and it's generally dominated by earlier in sobriety people, right? So you're going to get people in the early first 30 days first 60 yeah. days. Um, and, having that camaraderie is magical and you don't get that when you're talking to a sponsor who's five years sober. Right. I mean, I know I at four years sober, I really couldn't tell you what day 13 felt like. I really can't, but I swear to God, I was obsessed with it back on day 14 or day 25 when I was remembering way back to day 14, right? Like it, <laughs> the days were so, so long and, and so rife with weird, unpredictable things. Right. And they're not quite as unpredictable when you get, you know, 20 different women within your day count saying, oh my gosh, I was really stressed out last week too, week two for whatever reason. Or, or I remember Casey, I got, do you remember my theory about days 60 to 90, which I continue to post. So tell me that because I actually like, have some clients who just hit day 60 and 70 and I'm like, wait, Ingrid had something about this. <laughs> tell me what yeah. it is. I just, I decided there was some biological or chemical process that happens in, in alcohol recovery at days 60 to 70 to 80, 60 to 80 is really the day range. And, and 90 is when you sort of break out of it, like that three month mark, but 60 to, to 80 was the most like anxiety riddled day days that I had in the whole whole kit and caboodle. Like in the very, very beginning, it was just hard. Right. And yeah when it was hard in that first week, mostly what I did was like eat the pint of ice cream and go to bed at five or six or seven at night. Right. Like that was my routine yeah. because I could, I just had to escape my life um, and, and power through because otherwise I knew I wasn't going to make it. I kept not making it if I you know, tried to live my normal life in the first week. So fine. I got through that, but day 16 and 80, I was literally jittery like physically jittery. Um, I had to, and I'm not an, a big exerciser. I had to go for like two hour walks with the bubble hour podcast playing in yeah. my ear just to work off the energy. Um, and I was uh, a little bit panicked and, and what kept coming up for me were the sort of forever thoughts, the, I don't know. Um, it, it just didn't feel purely mental. It felt also physiological. And so I kept asking absolutely anybody who would listen to me on the BFB, like, do you, you guys feel the same way? And I swear there were like <laughs> good handful <laughs> who had the exact same feeling, They're, you know, the litter mates. Um, and now every time I see something like that on, on BFB, if I, if I go in and take a look, I always, you know, post, yep, 60 to 80 days range. It's terrible. And I see, you know, I, I yeah. uh, tag all my litter mates who had the same feeling, but like 
it's possible that I was just a little bit obsessive about <laughs> day counting yeah. and, and what they meant and what, what phases we go through. But the truth of the matter is the support was invaluable. Like just having someone say, nope, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I'm on day 69 yeah. or whatever. Well, or a lot of people saying, yes, yeah. I do feel that way, which is thing. one of the best yeah. pieces of it. Like, and I tell my clients sometimes I'm like, trust the process, like just stay the course. There's so much space between no longer, which is when you're drinking and not yet, which is when it gets really good. And that's what some of that um, understanding, you know, of course, this is not scientific, but under, you know, from coaching lots of women, there are peaks and valleys and there are when your anxiety peaks or when you start being like, oh my God, I can't do this forever. I've done this for two months, three months, and I don't yeah. feel better yet. And A, you're forgetting how bad you felt when you were drinking and you do feel better. But of course, like the novelty is worn off, the pink cloud is faded. And yet, it's so helpful to hear to to be honest about how you're feeling and to have six, seven, twenty people say, Yeah, hold on. Like it gets yeah. better. Get to this date. And by the way, here are seven things yeah. you can do right now. And so just for to let you guys know, Ingrid has an awesome <laughs> blog. Um, it's called Total Fatty. And on there she has two posts that I always link to, which is um, what to expect or, you know, what you might feel day zero to 30 and then um, 60 plus. And she, again, like mind our litter mates and just everything that she saw commonalities. And it's super helpful in my, I have a 30 page guide, uh, the sober girl's guide to quitting drinking. And it has 30 tips for your first 30 days. And I pulled with permission a good part of Ingrid's information on those early days because it's so helpful to know what to expect on day four and day five and day 12. Um, just so you can be like, oh, I'm feeling like I'm rageful and irritated and be like, yep, that right on track. I, I You're also good. Um, for the posts, uh, I think it was 30 to 60 day post that I wrote, the second one. Um, I also write a list of things you shouldn't do. <laughs> Tell me about don't that. write that letter to your spouse about how you think your marriage is or your you know partnership is over or whatever um you know don't uh don't quit your job don't like it's just a list of things yeah. that i know will come up for you in those that 30-day range because they did for me like i questioned absolutely everything in my life when i when i finally felt enough normal i guess um yeah. Uh, after the early, early days, I, I a thought I was cured, which is why day 60 to 80 was so <laughs> tough, right? Because right, you know, two months in, you sort of feel a little bit yeah. done, and then you're not done. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> so I felt cured, but I also felt like I was questioning literally all the fundamentals of my life, <laughs> what I was doing, where I lived. Yeah, I think you called it, you're obsessed about why oh, God, you started yeah. drinking. Like, have all these theories and want to go to your therapist and want to like post, post a, uh, you know, a, a novel on your childhood. Yeah. Right. And yeah, just hold just on. Hold on. Just, right. You so can do it. Just don't do it. In day yeah. <laughs> just don't do it in day three. Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. But if you have a sober bestie, you can talk yes. at nauseum about your 
theories on your childhood. <laughs> I remember, okay, and then we need to go on, but I remember we had the funniest conversation on text, or maybe it was the BFB, about Cabbage Patch dolls in childhood. I'm dating myself, but everybody was like talking about Cabbage Patch dolls. And I was like, yeah, my mother would never get me a Cabbage Patch doll. And then I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, it's probably because I, it's probably why I drank. And only people who drink too much would think that's hysterical. And Ingrid, you, your mother had randomly, this is weird, shipped you at age 40 no, no. plus, like your two cabbage It was cabbage for my animals. 40th birthday and, and, and I'm oh, child-free, right? So my mother <laughs> decided I needed my babies back <laughs> on my 40th birthday. Yeah. So Gotta I love have moms. two cabbage patch dolls. So that yeah, and fun. so you gave them. My favorite is she gifted them, and we went out to dinner in Seattle at this great sushi restaurant. And she in the restaurant gifted me for my daughter, who was three, maybe at the time. She gifted me her cabbage patch dolls, and of course, Lila like was like, eh, because she's into Barbies or whatever. But I loved it. Hey, you said she so, loved them. You're going back on that? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, no, okay. she. She, I'll take she back. Saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she loves them. I sent you a million. A million. Never mind. Okay, we're going to edit this out. No, no, you're not. Um, you admitted it publicly okay. off the record. <laughs> okay, I blame her. So we're going to, okay, we're going back to the, to the tips about people who are scared about going online. So let's, I'm going to. Um, we talked about how much it helps to realize you're not alone and how great it is to find other people who get it, how useful it is to see people who are further along from you feeling really good and telling you that it's normal and it's part of the process and that it'll pass, um, to find kindness that you didn't even know was out there. I mean, you know, we have so much negative self-talk and we have so much, we berate ourselves when we wake up with yet another hangover. I used to be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, all the things. And to find people who are like, you deserve, and this was total Ingrid, you deserve an effing tiara (laughs) for four months. You deserve a parade. You got through your office happy hour, you know, without a drink, like, you know, high five, day is done, gold gold star. I mean, people who are kind and who get it and will cheer you along as opposed to people who are like, yeah, you went two weeks freaking, you know, right. <laughs> what do you want a Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> well, and that, I mean, I think it's really common for spouses in particular to downplay, uh, you know, the, the day count thing. Right. Like that. So you yeah. don't even want to, I didn't even want to bring it up with, with mine. Like I've, I wasn't going to tell him it was three weeks. You know, let's have a party. <laughs> it just didn't. I know, but you're you're there and you're like 21 <laughs> every day. day. Yeah. I, I think, Casey, just to your credit, the tiara thing really came, it was inspired by you. Like you were, you were super <laughs> passionate about rewards, right? Like never feeling deprived. Yes. And uh, that's the best tip that I give to people is straight from you, which is says never ever let a, a celebration pass you by because you know, the key thing that'll drive us back to drinking is feeling deprived. 
you know, and the second, second thing will be feeling lonely. Right. So that's what this whole podcast is about. But um, the first thing is feeling deprived. And if you feel like your life is somehow less good because you don't have drinking in it and you don't like really do the work to prop up the notion of it being better at the beginning, right? Because eventually it's just naturally a lot better. But in the beginning, you really need to do that work. You need to plan those celebrations. You need to give yourself treats. You have to reward yourself. You have to have, you know, reach out to get people to tell you you're doing a good job. I mean, it's a vulnerable place to be, but it's important. Like it's, it's and it's important to tell people when you're struggling, because that's when you need them to prop you up or to say, I don't even know why I'm doing this. It feels like it's not worth it. And, you know, trust us as much as we're um, really grateful that we quit drinking and I love it, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was there. I was like, you know what? This sucks. And I used to have a, uh, I used to have a cartoon meme that I loved that I used to post in the group when people were like, I'm over this. And it's someone above the, um, at the top of a cliff oh, yeah. uh, with someone hanging off the edge and they're like hanging on by their fingernails. And the person at the top is like, it, hang on, it gets better. And the person hanging on is like, yeah. F you. <laughs> I just, whenever anyone's struggling, I like randomly post that, that cracks me up. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48. So if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is just remember that everyone in this group is there for the exact same reason. So they are women just like you. They don't necessarily, they haven't necessarily hit bottom. They don't all go to 12-step meetings. Some do, and they are amazing too, and they have incredible insight. Um, I you know, support anything that works for you but they don't all and they have kids and they have spouses or they don't they're career woman you know they're not all drama like they really are like you and you can find friends there i have so many people who found their littermates and like go on vacations to spas together like not kidding um and and it's really awesome um a lot of them you know people are scared to join because they they don't want to label themselves an alcoholic. By the way, you don't have to at all. You just have to want to go without drinking for a while or think you might or be curious about it and 
have not been successful on your own. Um, and you might be afraid to join because you're not sure you're ready to stop drinking and you don't want to join and fail. And dude, almost everyone on there has joined and failed and they get it right. So you're never going to get to where you want to be if you don't do something different. And this is a really cool, you know, take it from us. It's really cool. Yeah, it really is. So Ingrid, going back to the tiara and celebrations thing you mentioned, one of the best things that I think you did for us in the beginning, you know, once we got to know each other was having dinner parties and brunches and, you know, you brought out the tiaras, like somehow we showed up at a restaurant and you had like two tiaras and we like rotated the tiaras for, it wasn't just us. It's not that weird, (laughs) but you know, you got rainbow unicorn pinatas that were like mascots. And (laughs) you guys may be listening and thinking, you don't sound that cool. But it was fun. Um, And I remember, like, so I was sort of early sobriety. I, unlike Ingrid, I live um, 30 minutes outside Seattle, um, you know, in a Microsoft suburb. I have a really nice house, but it is not hip. Um, you know, I have two kids, I'm married, you know, whatever. Um, what that means is I don't go out to hip diners and dinner parties and downtown all the time. And so Ingrid had this apartment that overlooked the sound, like right on the sound, it overlooked the Seattle Great Wheel. It was beautiful. It was right in the middle of the city. And she invited us over a bunch of sober women or women who were quitting drinking to her apartment for a dinner party and like cooked up a storm and it was amazing. Dinner party is way harder than brunch. And I highly recommend you do brunch. (laughs) You don't do dinner party because people arrive and there's no cocktail hour, right? Like I had this ridiculously elaborate mocktail thing set up for everybody. I'd spent way too much money on like things to, to mix Nobody really cared. They just wanted a LaCroix yes. <laughs> to sit down. <laughs> do you remember this at all? Probably not. I do. I had a totally different perspective because I was like, oh my God, this is so cool and sophisticated and fun without drinking. So I go both ways. Yes, I love sober brunches. They are amazing. Ingrid hosts one for our Seattle She Recovers group or or folks who want to Um pretty much once a month. And they are the highlight of my month. We do book club and just like, I feel like it's constantly growing, but like 30 women and amazing food and the conversation never ends. But your dinner parties <laughs> made me feel like I was cooler in sobriety than I was at as a mom oh. after work sitting on my couch with my bottle of wine and my three-year-old. And, you know, yeah. well, you know, me- I might need to do more of those. It- I got shocked out of not doing dinner parties because I was so anxious. I felt so anxious not being able to, I I guess, lubricate my night, right? Like give, give people things to hold and do before the meal. And then I was so embarrassed by my lasagna that I made that was so terrible. So (laughs) um, I think, you know, we all think it's just that whole, it's like the prom dress thing, right? Like we all think people are looking at us, but they don't really care at all. Um, Yeah. I was in awe. I, I had so much fun though, um, uh, like just meeting the people that were at that dinner party, and it, it I thought it was really cool too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, being so prior to quitting drinking, that was absolutely my 
my social MO. It was holding, I, I would have said debauched, you know, <laughs> parties and, you know, the more wine than anybody could drink. You know, I would actually buy magnums, you know, those enormous bottles of wine. Yes, I do. And I would buy those and put them in the middle of the table. And like, I would need help pouring from it because it was so huge. And, um, but it was a abundance, right? I wanted to, I wanted people to feel free to consume, over consume. <laughs> Drink as um, much as you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And eat as much as you want. Like I always over, overdid it. Um, and, uh, and then I would also, I think you were reminding me of this. I would put loose bowls of cigarettes out and, and lighters because um, <laughs> I noticed, because I used to be a smoker too, I noticed that whenever I had a big debauched dinner party, everybody would start smoking my cigarettes. So I just tried to get ahead of that problem and, and put them out there for, for, for all the problem solvers. (laughs) (laughs) And now she, like she in her sober brunches has like every kind of LaCroix and she brought my favorite, this groovy Prosecco that's hundred percent Prosecco, zero percent alcohol. I adore it. So we had mimosas. So she still is like, what can I do to go over the top? Yeah. But, you know, I thought that you recreated that sober social circle to, to mirror. I was trying to, um, yeah. The drinking. Um, I wanted to get fun. my life That's back. That's what my takeaway was. And... of my identity. Um, but the truth is, um, yeah, the trappings that I had built up over my drinking life of, you know, overabundance. I mean, so much of that was kind of me compensating for fear, right? Like I was afraid people wouldn't like me. So I needed to give them really fancy, nice wine, right? I mean, it's that fundamental, very childish anxiety that I held on to probably and stunted myself in terms of my own growth as a human. Um, I was still thinking like a 17 year old at age 30, 39, right? Like hosting these ridiculous dinner parties to get people to like me or whatever. And I, I think what I realized pretty quickly um, was that it's really, it's just about the people. And I, I just happened to still like to eat a lot and drink a lot of LaCroix. So I always want other people to never feel like it will run out and that'll never change ever. But the proving myself piece um, has basically gone away. Uh, um, and that's one of the incredible gifts of sobriety. It's, it's something you can't, you can't manufacture the maturity, which sounds really dull and boring, but the maturity of your soul. I mean, I can't think of a better way to articulate it where you, you just no longer give a fuck, yeah. as, you know, if people like you as much as you used to, right. It's just not as important. So that the fear over making new friends does subside, you know, that anxiety and reaching out to someone like, if they don't like me, I guess that's okay. Right. Like I'll live, I'll live, I'll survive. I've survived worse. I, I think that is yeah. one of the biggest gifts. Yeah. And I, you know, honestly, one of my huge fears, and I hear this a lot from others, was that my life would shrink when I quit drinking. Like I could never go, it would be really hard to go to football parties or Super Bowl parties or dinner parties or to host a dinner party. Cause I, like you, you know, I was like, we need two bottles of wine per person because that's kind of what yeah. I want, right? Like when people would come over for dinner and bring one bottle for four people, I'd be like, who are you? Like, this <laughs> is ridiculous. So I never wanted that to happen. So I would just bring, you know, in my generous self, bring my bottles of wine. 
um, to share because I had plenty. But I thought that my life would be, my social life would be so limited. And what I want to tell people listening to this and women is that I was 100% wrong. My life got so much bigger. It, you know, obviously in the beginning, you need to bubble up and you feel like you're walking around without your outer layer of skin and you're figuring out how to navigate every speed bump and pothole, how to do everything the first time. So there is no doubt that is hard. And that is where the online secret Facebook groups and finding your people and your litter mates will really help you. But once you get through that really hard part, your fears are not true. My life got, you know, honestly, when I was drinking, I was at home on the couch with my bottle of wine. My life was really small. I actually left restaurants. Like I drank a little before, limited what I drank there because I had to drive home. So I would leave to come home to drink more. So mm-hmm. once I quit drinking, I, you know, my life got so much bigger. And I, I also credit you, you went on one of those She Recovers <laughs> Salt Spring yoga retreats, which are amazing. They're the best thing ever. And yeah. you went the first year. I did not. Um, I, it was both, we have the same birthday, which is weird. And I went <laughs> on a camping trip with, with my, um, lifetime friends, you know, and our families. And it was both of our birthdays. You had an amazing birthday. I had one that was filled with a crying two and a half year old and <laughs> nobody got me presents and Aww. we were packing up the camp. I just I remember really that unspoiled. Like I was just Aww. like, this kind of sucks. Um, and you just came back lit up from inside. So the <laughs> next year we went together, we slept in a yurt. So we were yurt roomies. We did yoga. We talked, we went swimming in this incredible lake in Salt Spring Island, BC. We went to the farmer's market. We went paddle boarding. We laughed like <laughs> I fell off the paddleboard and really hurt myself. And Ingrid like laughed her ass off and didn't even try to help me up, even though everybody else did. Um, yeah, bestie might. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that. I might, right. I might have to go back and amend my intro. Um, but yeah. I would never have taken five days away from my family, spent the money, um, taking vacation days that weren't like with my, I mean, it was amazing. So my life in after quitting drinking, I just feel so justified in self-care. It's necessary. Um, yeah. It helps me stay healthy and stay sober and all that. But I'm also worth it. And I don't yeah. mind spending money. Uh, you know, I that spend you're so reminding much money me on that, um, that she recovers retreat. Uh, that, as I said earlier on, the first website I ever found that made me actually want to get sober was that one, the She Recovers retreat thing. Um, and when I finally quit, yeah. when I thought it was for good, which it ended up being um, for now, you know, um, I, I went back online and they were completely sold out, which they almost always are. So whoever's out there in the podcast sphere and you're looking it up, like... <laughs> you're going to be bummed. They're almost always sold out. I guess it's COVID-19. So whatever. Yeah. You're, we're talking 2021 now, but they were totally sold out. Yeah. I emailed them to get on a wait list and I ended up getting in last minute. And so I, I didn't have any expectation of getting in there, but I, when I got in Casey, that was scary going there with absolutely nobody. I didn't know a soul. Yes. And, and Casey, 
it was scary. And I don't even do You're yoga. So I actually wrote like several emails to them in advance being like, are you sure that like you don't need to know? You know, I was so worried about not being able anyway. Um, and then Casey, you actually introduced me to someone you knew who uh, from the BFB, I think, right? Who you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly Beck, who's also a yep. uh, recovery coach. So I'll put her info yeah. in there too. And She's she, amazing. Uh, and you introduced well. us. So she was my only friend. <laughs> you introduced us before we went, uh, before I went <laughs> up there. Yeah. You guys came over to my house and we sat on the back deck and talked. And yeah, that's the cool thing about women who quit drinking. You feel like and you. And Kelly, I think, was two years sober other. at the time. And I just was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Like, I was in <laughs> awe. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you were like three months at that time or four months, right? Maybe even a little less. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but that was also a, a corner turning thing for me, like meeting you and then the She Recovers uh, retreat people because um, I made some good friends at that retreat. Um, and just the, the fact of it, right? Like that we're all in this together and it's incredibly important and we're all worth that investment and time. And uh, that, that was enough to sort of keep me going for a while. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, I want to say is it doesn't mean that you have to give up all your friends that you've had your whole life or that you've established. It doesn't, but it does help to realize that you don't have to do this alone. It is so much easier if you don't. It, people who've quit drinking are cool and fun. I promise you. <laughs> Um, they're not terrifying. They're not lame. They're not extra drama, you know, in the same way that like anywhere in life, you'll find people who are your people and who aren't, but your people are out there. They really are. And there are a lot of other groups that are awesome ways to find um, friends and sobriety. And it's not just the BFB there. She recovers together, which is a private group for all women. There is a group um, called the unexpected joy of being sober that is based off the Catherine Gray book. I mean, there's so many, there's the Tempest um, group. Uh, Ingrid and I both did hip sobriety school, which is now the Tempest online sobriety school, but they have, um, you know, community and meetups and it's a great way to make connections. So in the same way that, you know, you go to work and some people are your people and you light up when you see them and other people are negative and you don't want to hang out with them or they just have super different interests. That's true in sobriety as well, but it is worth it to find your people. Um, I encourage you to take the leap. I mentioned I will put a ton of resources in the show notes of this episode because I don't want you to be stumbling around in the dark the way I was, or I don't want you to not find these amazing resources that are going to make your life without alcohol so much better and will inspire you and will remind you that life without drinking does not suck. Um, you know, get away from the wine bottle, put it down, figure out that your life can be bigger and brighter and better when you don't have hangovers and headaches and wake up at 3 a.m. with the sweats and, you know, panic attacks or whatever. Amen. 
Cool. So right at the end, I want to talk to you about your bookstore because it's my favorite. So, and I know you sell online (laughs) and I love the books you've curated. Um, It's a tiny bookstore. So tell us about it. Sure. Um, It's a 240 square foot bookstore, which if you have any sense of those things, quite, quite like a New York studio Um, apartment or something. Smaller. Yep. It's, uh, it's actually designed to be, and this is going to not sound awesome, but um, a highly curated airport bookstore. So the idea being like, you know, in the airport bookstore, it's super easy. Like they just have the best sellers up there. And then like a couple of other, I don't know, business books, because it's all business travelers that want to buy them. My bookstore is supposed to be designed around like what I think are the best of the the crop of bestsellers and then sort of one or two of each genre, really. So it's like these tiny little pods for each different category. And the you know, the biggest um, turnover is in our hard, you know, best selling category, the paperbacks and and hardcovers and nonfiction and fiction. And so it makes for a lovely space, right? Because I look around and I see all my best friends, <laughs> meaning your books, <laughs> the books yeah. that I've loved. Yeah. Um, for the older books and then the newer books, I look around and I'm like, oh, I really want to read that. Right. And so it, it's definitely Ingrid's bookstore. Um, so if you have very different taste, you may not find what you're looking for. But uh, what we're discovering is Oh, well, I'm learning the neighborhood, right? I'm learning what people read and love and learning to order the books that I think people will want. Um, so that's been fun. And we've only been open a year. Uh, so I don't really know. And you also have yet, an awesome quick session, right? Like, we do. We have an out, I would say an outsized quitlet section um, for, for the size of the bookstore. <laughs> yeah. And if, if people don't know what that is, do be, does everyone know who what that is? It's um, novels, biographies, autobiographies, just, just, um, fiction that is about drinking and not drinking and life without drinking. And, you know, a lot of them are a lot of women on the path and they're getting better and better and better. They are. They're so great. And there's so many, I actually don't have all my favorites at the bookstore. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, actually I have a, I, I actually, met a woman who came into the bookstore who asked me for books for handling anxiety. Did I tell you the story, Casey? I must have. No. Um, And I said, oh, I'm so sorry you have anxiety. I've dealt with that myself. Um, Can I just recommend something? Like, why don't you start by quitting drinking? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know if you drink. I have no idea. But if you drink, I highly recommend you cut it out because Um, this isn't about addiction or anything else. It just, it makes you feel anxious and you may not realize there's a connection. And she was like, hello, bookseller. Like, who do you think you are telling me to quit? (laughs) And I was like, no, no, I swear. I have no idea what your, what your drinking habits are. Obviously, like I'm not judging you. I'm just making the suggestion. And then I, you know, I pulled a couple of anxiety uh, you know, meditation books and stuff like that off the shelf. and, And then I handed her a couple quitlets. And I was like, just in case you're thinking about it, like go, oh go sit over there. And, and I swear to you, I had no idea if she, that she, whether she, or not she had any kind of drinking issue, right? Um, she could have been a non-drinker for all I know. Turns out she uh, she started questioning her drinking after that conversation because of the level of anxiety she was dealing with. Um, and then she found it kind of hard to cut cut the drinking out. 
And then she came back to the bookstore and bought all the Quitlet, like literally every book that I had to sell. Then she came back and told me how much she loved one book versus other books, right? We mm-hmm. had a good conversation. And now she's coming to my uh, brunches. And it's the best feeling in the world. I love it. Yes. I love that. Although I would say, okay, when I was drinking, I had no idea that my anxiety was tied to my drinking. I thought that drinking was helping me with my anxiety, which is so common. So if you think that, I swear to God, it doesn't, there's tons of research on this, but you know, drinking is like pouring lighter fuel on your anxiety. But Um, we're also like, there was a t-shirt I got, I think it was from back in the day with Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan. And it says, um, feminist sober buzzkill. (laughs) So, you know, when I'm talking to people like my husband, occasionally I'll be like, and then, you know, he, you know, someone said this and I said, oh, it was at his, um, basketball game. He's a principal at a school and they were doing some cancer fundraiser and like six of the gift baskets, um, had wine in them, right? Because that's what everybody wants to buy. And I was like, that's sort of ironic considering the research around breast cancer and alcohol. And he was like, you are such a buzzkill. Like, seriously. And he is so supportive of me, but he's just like killing me, Casey. So you're cool. (laughs) I I, I generally try not to just prescribe quitting drinking to random people, I swear to God. But yeah, I felt safe doing it in that situation because there's absolutely no background, right? I had no idea. Like I couldn't be possibly judging her personally because I have no idea like how she drinks. So that was a lucky break. Um, I got, I got to get up on my, my anxiety booze pedestal. Well, and, and it's, it's, I do feel like it's the question of like, why don't we talk about this? Why don't people talk about this? Like in terms of some 12 step, you know, it's all about um, being anonymous, which is great for new people who are scared about it. And that's also why private Facebook groups are great. Um, You know, honestly, like when you go to the VFB, the only thing you can see, you sort of friend a woman um, with a name, she's not a real person. And the only thing you can see is that if someone's in it, you have a mutual friend. So nobody else knows that you're like connected to these people because you're in this group. It just says, oh, you know, you have a mutual friend. Um, but in addition to that, like anxiety and drinking, I mean, everyone talks about everything else, gluten and, you know, sugar addiction or whatever, but, you know, Hey, you're feeling depressed or anxious. Have you thought about quitting drinking? Cause that can change so much without it. And then by the way, if you're having trouble with it, quitting, there are resources to support you in that. And a lot of it is mindset and a lot of it is habit. And by the way, it's addictive um, and all the things, but you know, we don't, so I love that you're openly sharing your story and that's why I do it too, because we never talk about this. And there are so many women out there thinking that something is wrong with them and also just not making the connection between how they physically and, and feel in terms of mental health and what they think is holding them together, which yeah. is their bottle of wine yeah. or whatever it is. I, I could I couldn't agree more. You're if you're in Seattle, visit Ingrid's bookstore. <laughs> you know, once the quarantine's over, um, this is in the co- we're recording during COVID nineteen. Um, it is incredible. If you're in the Seattle area, connect with us because we absolutely love meeting other cool sober women in our local area. Um, the brunches 
are incredible. Yeah, we'll get you invited to the brunch as soon as we can restart doing that. Yeah, and the book club. Um, shockingly, unlike wine drinking book clubs, most people read the book. You're not required to, but I would never read the book when I was drinking. So um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. And yeah, you really don't have to. Yeah. Read the book. So. And, and the, the, what's the bookstore URL? Uh, three trees books.com. And is three a number or it's the oh, word the spelled, word out. spelled out? Okay. Yeah. It is really, really cool. And in her store, not to pump it, but I actually adore it. <laughs> Thank you. She has the coolest curated um, linen uh, aprons and cards and these tiny um, happy Buddhas <laughs> like these that are sort of like some weird sobriety talisman that might not be true. Oh, I, um, I think and, I would call it a sobriety talisman. Yeah. What are they called? They're called um, Sid. Sid, S Y D. Yep. And the company is the suburban monk. And we, yes. we met the owner of that company through hit sobriety. Yes. Not, and not she's to very her cool. or anything, but I think she's pretty, pretty open. I, I think she's pretty um, open. But uh, um, these little SIDs are adorable. They smile constantly. I've broken many of them and they continue to smile <laughs> even when they lose their arm. And they're different ones for different, like green is for abundance and silver is for restarts or whatever. Yeah. And Ingrid just has a, you know, amazing jewelry and just really cure. I, I love your style. Like pretty much I want to be you oh. when I do when I don't have two children, <laughs> but, you will always have but two anyway. children, Casey, God willing. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, okay. But, uh, so yeah. we need to wrap it up, but I truly, truly appreciate you being on here. Oh, I um, really loved it. This is really fun. Awesome. I didn't even get to say like the time that you saved my life. Oh, okay. Tell uh, us. Um, I was working in Oakland, California, extremely lonely. My husband was up still in Seattle and I was living I don't know, two weeks out of every month down there, if not more, in some terrible room rental in this terrible part of Oakland. <laughs> and I was just miserable. And I really, really wanted to just give up and go back to drinking and smoking, frankly. I wanted all of it. I wanted to just sit. Nobody would have known. My husband never would have known, um, at least not while I was there, assuming I didn't continue. <laughs> so both, right before I went, to the store um I called Casey um or texted you I can't remember but we ended up talking and Casey said to me like it was almost textbook support stuff right it was like why would you do that think through the drink right like get through walk me through all of it just like a, a good coach would or a good friend would and and what happens after the bottle like what about yeah. tomorrow and the next day and, yeah you know and honest to god I was like this is so such bs I I'm like <laughs> I, in the moment I wasn't grateful I wasn't I was like oh uh, I guess you're right uh, I guess I'll wait another 10 minutes and see how I feel right and the next day, of course, I was so grateful because <laughs> I, I made yeah. it through that day. And that was it. That was like one of the worst bumps in my whole path. And all it took was that one phone call to just kind of set me a slightly askew from the, the yeah. tracks that I I laid out for myself. And Which is why you need to establish those friendships before yeah. that happens. So you have someone who you genuinely like to call. Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting up, putting my daughter to sleep when I was in, 
you know, two or three months sober and I had had a really hard time at work and was having like my first post post quitting anxiety attack. I guess I was at four months and I came up and I really wanted to drink and I texted you and said, I really want to drink. So you have to talk me out of it. Like I just, I, there was no doubt in my mind that I didn't want to start over and go back, but I was like, so do, do what you need to do. (laughs) And it it worked, it worked. And I needed that. And now, you know, thank God I didn't get to four months and start drinking again. And I could be here two years later, desperately trying to get a day one to stick. I mean, I know how that is. So you have that moment is are when you need support, but also when you, you grow, you know, I think of it as a bicep curl, like you are building a sober muscle that will jump you to the next level just as you don't drink in that moment. It really is. It's step level growth. We could go through yeah. that hard thing and then boom, you're at this new higher level of, of it's like a video game. It is. Right? It's like a video game. And, and, and you can't get to those next levels until you go through the hard, the hard wobbly, yeah. I, I would say wobbly come. times, right? Like they're just Yeah. Like, and they will come. There is no, I, you know, I always tell my clients who are trying to quit drinking, like, if you email me and you tell me I'm cool, I'm good, I haven't even thought about drinking at all in the first 30, 60 days, I'll be like, okay, you're lying. I don't believe you at all because, you know, it's just not true. So I was like, don't tell me that because that I can't help you. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, you would be the unicorn <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you will have those hard moments and it's like you get a, you know, a new high score mm-hmm. when you move past that. Um, True. And And every every holiday, every birthday, it's literally another like giant muscle being slapped onto you. Like when when you get through those things and then, then you don't feel it at all later. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, And you're proud of yourself. Yeah. And, and I think um, something that one of the wiser people on BFB posted, um, Bridget, I I love her. She, she was a big help to me. Um, uh, you can, you really are bad. We're all really bad at predicting how we're going to feel in the future. Yeah. We really have no idea. We think we know, but we have no idea. And that's because it's entirely based on how you felt in the past. So this whole idea of forever and da, 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 I know I'm going to be miserable in the future. No, you don't. And, and no, you can't, yeah. you can't know that. Um, so if you can let go of the future tripping, that'll help. I mean, no one can, yeah, no one's been able to fully do it, but. And that's something that is so helpful about coaching, um, with anyone is the idea of, we all have these assumptions based on past experiences and these limiting beliefs, as well as this inner critic voice. And it really does help to question that and to step back and say, what's different this time? And, and is everything you're believing, is that really true? And also, you know, I, I often tell people like you've been drinking your whole life, your whole adult life. Like, you know, what drinking feels like, you know, the good and the bad. And by the time you're ready to quit drinking, there's, there's more hangovers and headaches and anxiety and all the things there's more bad. Um, but you don't know what a period of sobriety, like a hundred days will feel like, especially if you dive in to resources and support and people. So why not give you, give yourself that gift of knowing how you'll feel. And guess what? If you hate it, go back to drinking after a hundred days. 
betting you won't, <laughs> especially if you get support, especially if you say, God, I want to see how good my life can feel when I'm not walking around with this weight tied to my ankle. So what you were saying about predicting how you're going to feel, just give yourself the chance to see. Yeah. And don't give up in the first two weeks because they are going to suck. <laughs> they do. They suck. It, it's yeah. really, it's bizarre. It's like having the flu. Or at least, yeah. I, I don't know a better way of describing it. Because you don't no, actually feel be- physically sick that way. But it's, it's you're just, you're yeah. just leveled. Like, Okay, so <laughs> if if you want to know how you're going to feel, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com. <laughs> I'm not hyping this, but I've got, you know, it's 30 pages about... <laughs> how you're going to feel. It's got all these tips to get you through four days and six days and 12 days and how you're going to feel like you're going to have the flu. So you can sign up for my sober girls guide. You will get it sent to you in the email. It honestly is really, really helpful. So yeah, it is. Um, I love that guide. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we do now have to wrap, wrap up. up. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are awesome. And I'm hoping this will be really helpful for people. Me too. You're awesomer. Oh, thanks friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.